Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 12. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There, water was flowing from below the entryway of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. And again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was up to the waist. And again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river, As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on the one side and on the other. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, and when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish once these waters reach there. It will become fresh, and everything will live where the river goes. People will stand fishing beside the, the sea from Engedi to an Eglim. It will, be play, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves for healing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for that beautiful reading. Oh, the river of life that flows all across the earth that brings healing everywhere it touches. This is the vision that Ezekiel receives. We have been singing this vision this morning. Have you noticed that? 
We've sort of been singing this vision already. But, you know, Trila, hey, before you head down, it just, this, it reminds me of one more song. A song that I used to sing at camp. Did anybody sing a song about a river at camp ever? Some of you may have and some of you may have not. And I, I, do you know what song I'm talking about, Trila? I, th- I, think, I think I do. Do you remember it a little bit? Mm, close. Yep. Yeah, okay, that's it. That's it. Okay, so here's the deal. If you know this song about a river of life, I'm going to invite you to just sing along like you are at camp, okay? And just absolutely rock out. If you don't know it, we are going to create a shared experience for all of you. It's going to be an experience where you get a little taste of maybe camp and even you can clap along. Jordan, you might need to help set the beat because I'm not as good at that. Okay, this is how it goes. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me that life abundantly. Hey, you know it. Give yourselves a hand. You did And for Trila Curtis, give it up for Trila. (laughs) Man. Okay, so I feel like we went uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous pretty quickly in this worship service. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) But that song, that song reminds me of being a kid at camp. All right, and I don't know if any of you were ever a kid at camp. Some of you may have grown up at camp, and some, this is not a familiar experience to you. And you are probably thinking, what craziness have I stumbled into this morning? As a kid at camp, this was the first time, first of all, that you get to experience some measure of freedom. Like you get turned loose on a campground, on snack shacks and swimming pools and, and creeks and rivers. And it's also where you get to be with other people who are learning about Jesus and, and you hear stories about the gospel. And I just remember feeling so alive. In fact, this last summer was the first summer that my kids got to go away to kids camp. And they sung all kinds of crazy songs. It's funny, I was so nervous as a mom getting ready to send them to camp for the first time. They'd never been anywhere other than a family. They had never even had a sleepover. And we sent them off for a week at kids camp. I was so nervous. And they came home with all of the dirt and smells of camp all over them. And they were so alive. They sounded like they had not lived until they experienced camp. And they came back telling stories about what the speaker shared and the songs that they sang and the games that they played. They were so alive. They were awash in the river of life and the aromas of Camp Garner Creek. Ezekiel has this vision of a river that is 
flowing out of the temple, this place of worship, the sanctuary. Now, if you've been with us in this series, we've been in the book of Ezekiel for a while. And Ezekiel, you would know, is is writing not from his hometown uh, and not even from a campground. He is writing from a place called Babylon. And this is a place of exile where he has been taken against his will as a prisoner. He's writing from exile in the hometown of the Babylonians who are the people that destroyed his hometown of Jerusalem. And not only did they destroy his hometown, they destroyed the temple, which is the place where the glory of God is meant to dwell, the place where the people of God assemble in worship. They've destroyed the temple. And Ezekiel and the other survivors of this tragedy, they've lived through this exile. They're now in this foreign land. It's been 25 years in exile when Ezekiel first, when Ezekiel writes this vision in chapter 47. If you've been with us in the series, you know that we've kind of moved along this journey. So when we get to chapter 47, he's been in exile now for 25 years. That's a long time. 25 years is a really long time. Any reasonable person would have given up on the hope of returning home a long time ago, because 25 years is a long time to wait. How long have you waited on the Lord? How long have you waited for freedom? How long have you waited for reconciliation? How long have you waited for healing. How long would you wait on the Lord? Because 25 years is a really long time to wait. It's also the halfway point to 50 years. And and this is important. I'm not just flaunting my math skills that I know half of 50. It's important because part of the passage we didn't read this morning, Ezekiel says this. He says, in the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the month on the 10th day. Now, this is important because 25 years is a halfway point to 50, which would be the time that they would celebrate Jubilee. 50 years, every 50 years, the people of God are supposed to celebrate Jubilee, which is all about freedom. It's about bringing life that is flourishing for all people. It would be a time when all debts are canceled, any land that people have lost would be returned back to them. It's a time of freedom and renewal. So Ezekiel is here at the 25-year mark, halfway to the point of Jubilee, and it's the, it's the uh, 10th day of the month at the beginning of the year, which would have been the beginning of Passover. It would have been the Passover celebration. Passover is another celebration that's all about freedom. It's when God freed the people of Israel from their enslavement in Egypt. And so here they are in this celebration day that's about freedom at this halfway point to freedom. And Ezekiel receives this vision from the Lord. I wonder if God might have wanted to remind the people of Israel at this moment that it might feel like they have been waiting a long time, but it's only halftime. And freedom comes at the end of the game. 
Now, before he, he gets the vision that Gretchen read for us this morning, this vision of this river of life, a few chapters before that, there is a vision of the temple, which I just mentioned had been destroyed. But God gives him a vision of a new temple and the glory of the Lord returning to the temple. And now in chapter 47, God carries Ezekiel to the entrance of this restored temple and there's water flowing out of it. And if you recall in the passage, it's, it's not gushing out, it's a trickle. It's a steady stream trickling out from the temple. And yet what starts is this just steady trickle as it flows in all four directions, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper until it's this river that cannot be crossed. It is so deep. And the water flows in all four directions, east, south, west, north, which pretty much covers all the directions. It's flowing all over the earth, just like they might have remembered in the book of Genesis. When God is, is creating the heavens and the earth in Genesis 2.10, it describes this river that flows out of the Garden of Eden in all the directions all over the earth. This place of paradise where God first created life and made it flourish and teem with every good thing. It's also the source of a river that carries life all over the earth. So in Ezekiel's vision, it's like God is restoring the paradise of Eden that God first intended for all of creation. And it's all coming from this place of worship where the people of God are in the presence of God and the glory of the Lord is flowing out from it. Now, from the temple which is the worship life of the people of God, there's this fresh water, right? It's not gross, stagnant Nashville tap water. It is fresh water. It is fresh water that is streaming out everywhere, making rivers all across the land, everywhere it touches. And it says that wherever the river goes, every living creature that teems will live. Now that sounds a little bit like overkill, Every living creature that teems will live. In fact, Pastor Tim mentioned that earlier this week as we were reflecting on the passage. He was like, well, if it's living, isn't it already alive? It's almost as if perhaps he's saying that there is a point at which a being can technically be alive, but not really be living fully, abundantly. So this river of life it is a vision of flourishing. Here's what I mean by flourishing. Flourishing is when life of every shape is thriving and growing toward God's good future. I think that flourishing in scripture is about having a future that is in God, not just living today, living for God's future. In health and wholeness today, but then having a purpose to be directed towards, right? Directed towards God's future. Uh, a few of you know that I've started keeping houseplants, which um, is a bold move for me. I have had a brown thumb for as long as I can remember, not great at keeping stuff alive. I, I, partly because I've often kept a really busy schedule, so it's hard for me to remember to change out the laundry, let alone if I have watered the plants this week. But the year of 2020, I found a little extra time on my hands. 
And uh, I was home a lot more often. All my travel stuff got canceled and I got some house plans. I got some house plants and uh, they were, it was fun to kind of figure out how to help these house plants to live and flourish. Um, So was figuring out how to keep these things alive. And I figured out that the more I was basically in a place where I was at balance and peace in my life, my plants were doing pretty good, right? Like when I was happy, the plants were happy. And that's not some kind of woo-woo thing. I think it's, it makes a lot of sense that when I was at a good place of balance, I was paying attention to the needs of other living things around me and helping them to flourish too. My plants right now, today, are not doing so well. Uh, this is my umbrella tree, and it's pretty sad. Uh, it used to be this gorgeous tree covered in these glossy, rich green leaves. And they really are like umbrellas that just create a canopy all around the plant. So you're not even really supposed to see the big stems in the middle. That's real sad. <laughs> That's real sad. And I've been trying to figure out, it's not just the umbrella tree. All of my plants right now are either wilting or, or discoloring. And I'm trying to figure out what in the world is happening to my plants. I have watered them more often, watered them less often, added fertilizer. A couple of them I've repotted and nothing seems to be working. So I've been coming to the conclusion that what is wrong with my plants is me. <laughs> and I'm not just trying to be too hard on myself, but I mean that in the sense that um, it's been a real stressful few months. It's been a really stressful few months as I have been finishing up my doctorate at, right at the same time as we're having Easter and we had to go to something that us Nazarenes called district assembly right after Easter. And then into this graduation season, Tim has been finishing up a big semester with lots of grading. Our kids are about to be in their first musical production. It's all really good stuff. And I'm not complaining about any of it. It is all really good stuff. In fact, it's a lot of really good stuff. And although it's a lot of really, really good stuff, it's not necessarily flourishing. And I think what I'm noticing about my plants right now is they're trying to tell me that maybe, that just having a lot of good stuff is not the same as flourishing because my plants are wilting. Even my dog has been eating my shoes. And uh, I feel like every living creature in my home is trying to send me a message. (laughs) I get the message, stop eating my shoes. This vision of a river of life is a vision where everything that it touches lives, really lives. A rich, green, glossy kind of living that is flourishing, where all life is abundant and it's all flowing from the temple, the earth, the creatures, the people, it's all flowing from the temple. Now the temple was the heart of worship. 
And if you remember back earlier on in the series, you'll remember that Ezekiel had lived through, like we said, the destruction of the temple and this vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. Do you remember the Valley of Dry Bones we talked about last week? So he's had the the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones where he knows that dry bones can be brought back to life, that there can be life again, even for the dry bones of the people of Israel after they've been crushed. But now, 25 years into exile, when it seems like the glory has been gone from the temple for so very long, before it's even been rebuilt, God shows him this vision of a new temple with life flowing out of it. And a couple chapters before 47, God actually instructs Ezekiel on what the worship life of the temple needs to look like when they re-enter this temple that's not even been built yet. God tells him how the worship life needs to flow and how they're there to order worship and how to rebuild life where everyone can flourish. Only this time, the glory isn't hidden away in the temple This time it is flowing from the temple. Fresh water that brings life to everything it touches. Fresh water that is a symbol of the presence of God flowing and pulsing through the earth. This is the grace of God that breathes life into dry bones. This is the life of God that brings dead things back to life. This is God's goodness in the world. And even mentions the sea of stagnant waters. If you remember that, mentions the sea of stagnant waters, which is probably speaking of something called the Dead Sea. If you remember that in geography, or, uh, there's this place called the Dead Sea in Israel that is so far below sea level and so high in salt content that nothing can live in it. That's why it's called the Dead Sea, because it literally can't support life. It is a place of death. But it says that even when these waters touch these stagnant, dead waters, it will become a place of living, of teeming and thriving. The last few verses that we read this morning mentions that along this river, there will be trees. These trees of every kind, their trees will not wither nor their fruit fail. They will bear fresh fruit every month because the water, the, the, the water for them flows from the sanctuary. The water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Did you hear that? These trees that will constantly bear fruit, fruit for food, and leaves that will be for healing, nourishment, and healing. They're able to provide because the water flows from the sanctuary, this place of worship. Friends, I think this means that God's design for worship is to bring life to all the earth, to all the earth. Isn't that good news? I think that's really good news because, friends, if you got up this morning, if you got up after all the stuff that you've done all this week and maybe all the celebrating you've done this weekend, you got up and you got dressed, you got here. 
And you got people out the door, maybe there are creatures in your house that depend on you. You got them up and out the door. You got all the way here. Isn't it good to know that you didn't do all of that this morning just to worship a God who is so insecure that God needs us to put on a Jesus pep rally every week to feel good, right? Like that's not what worship is about. And it also means that worship is not just so that we can have a pep rally for ourselves to make us feel good about ourselves, right? Like worship is actually about the life of God flowing from the sanctuary all over the earth so that people can know healing in Jesus Christ. That's really good news. God's design for worship is that there would be these rivers of life flowing in every direction into dead sea places, bringing things to full flourishing and thriving to the glory of God. Here at Trevecca Community Church, we have six missional practices. If, if you're new here with us, you'll be hearing about them. But we have six missional practices, and the very first, every time we name them, there's an order to them. Not because one is more important to the other, but because the order is important. The very first of our missional practices is Christ-centered worship. And that one comes first because all of the other activity of the church, all of the other practices, all of the other stuff that we do flows from Christ-centered worship so that it will really be a river of life and not just a river of activity. Whew. I am glad for that. Nobody needs just a river of activity. We get washed away in that all the time. We need a river of life. I got to join choir practice this last week. It was so fun. I had a Wednesday night that suddenly opened up on my calendar, and I will not explain why. And I got to just head down to the choir room and sit there and grab a music book. I sang in choir in junior high. That is really the last time I have read sheet music. So it took a while to remember what like the codas mean and, and how to get back to whatever stanza. Is that a thing? I think so. <laughs> so we sat there and, and we worked over the different parts, the different harmony parts and figured out those complicated, tricky sections where it's hard to hear and we'd work it over and over and over again and, and, and sing it until finally we think that we've got it. And then Pastor Jordan would go and he'd, he'd play the, the track that lets us hear what it's going to sound like when the whole band is playing. And we would jump in along with the track and this full band and we would start singing and all of the parts were just hanging together, wrapped around these words about the goodness of God and the truth of the gospel. And we were being attentive to the harmonies of the people sitting next to us and the movement of the song. And then all together we'd hit this crescendo moment when everyone was working in sync and woo, it was flourishing. Like, it felt so alive, right? I forgot how fun that could be. Now, this is not just a choir practice plug. Although Wednesdays at 6.30, you are welcome <laughs> to come and join. This is not just a choir practice plug. This is what God wants, not only for a moment on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, this is what God wants, not only for a few days at camp. 
This is what God wants for your coworker on Monday morning. This is what God wants for your neighborhood kids who are home all alone in the afternoon. This is what God wants for your family that is so overscheduled you would forget to breathe if your Fitbit didn't remind you. This is what God wants for your neighbor who holds the sign alongside by the freeway entrance. This is what God wants for you on your best day and on your worst day. This is what God wants for you, for your family and friends and neighbors. And this is what God wants for our planet and rivers and fields and ocean, even for my house plants, and even for my dog, as long as he doesn't eat one more pair of my shoes. Now, Ezekiel has this vision, remember. He has this vision while he is still living in the tragedy of the present moment. He's still in exile when he gets this vision. He is still in a foreign land waiting on the Lord. He's only at half time of the waiting game. He's still in the tragedy of the present moment. And God gives him this vision and asks him to bear the tension between this present moment of tragedy and trauma and God's promised future. That's a lot of tension to hold. But you know, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, Scripture tells us that they pierce his side. And you know what flows out? Water and blood. Water and blood flow out from the pierced side of Jesus. A river of life is opened up here and now that we might live in and through the broken body of Jesus. And that means that the river of life is headed for broken places. This is even coming from a broken place. The river of life is headed to dead places and broken places that we might live in the body of Christ. So while I know that there's still a lot of tension today, there's still a lot of tension in our world today. While we still live in a lot of that tension, this isn't just a vision for someday. So that we'll hang on a little bit longer and just sign up for more of a waiting game and be patient. No, it's not just a vision for someday. No, we still live in tension. We still live in a world that knows brokenness and heartache. But when we live in Christ and with Christ, lives that are centered on the worship of Christ, crucified and resurrected, we get caught up in the flow of the river of life today, now, in this present moment. We let it wash over even trauma and tragedy and begin bringing dead things to life. This is the good news that we celebrate every Sunday when God carves out that deep river of life in my soul and yours. This is what we celebrate. I want you to take a moment and watch this video of one group of Christians in Germany. Uh, The way that they have been listening to the voice of God, prayerfully asking about their neighborhood and, and asking what God might be calling them to do, to send them like a river of life in broken places. Do we have that video this morning? We've got it. All right. So go ahead and take a look at this example. I can remember how it all started here in this building and up here on the balcony of uh, Peter's apartment where we had uh, most of our first uh, meetings with a team of uh, people who 
dream, the big dream. And Isabella and Julia were the ones who started to dream about that. A dream that um, started when they had watched a television show. And in the show they heard about um, export of weapons from Germany to other countries. And they were shocked how a rich nation like Germany and companies from here make a lot of money by exporting weapons to countries where people lose their homes, lose their lives because of the weapons that kill people, that destroy the places where they live. And they couldn't accept that they heard on the one hand about that export of weapons and then on the other hand they heard about the destiny and the tragedies of people who escape their home, who leave everything behind to escape into a better future, into a safe country. The dream was connecting people like a bridge from two different cultures, from different countries, from different religious backgrounds, to let them play together in one orchestra where even they may not understand each other, the music will be the means of bringing them together. A language that everybody understands because it's the language of our hearts. And the dream that they had in the beginning was bringing together professional musicians that already live here in Germany together with the ones who had escaped but who maybe in their home country of Iran and Syria had been musicians and they wanted to unite them. Especially on the concert night of the first Bridges uh, concert in April 2017, we realized it really came true. And there was a moment pretty much at the end, oh, it was the last piece from what I remember, uh, written by Mustafa, one of the musicians who composed it. And uh, Mustafa from Syria, uh, I think joking, he said, I dedicate this piece of music to all the racists in our world. And that was so beautiful to see how then, when in the end the big orchestra with people from so many different nations, cultures and religions all came together and the music was really speaking that language and uniting people. And I still remember how I got goosebumps when uh, people stood up and gave standing ovations for minutes because they could all sense and they, they experienced that something happened. The people who had lost so much are all in their home came to Germany and now they were welcomed and they really experienced how people were willing to share and care for each other and how that united them and how music did that. And I always remember that and I'm so grateful that in the end the dream came true and that we experienced that, how strangers became friends, united through music. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m. followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.